Welcome to episode 113 of The Roger Snipes Show. The Roger Snipes Show. Wouldn't it be good to know when you're actually burning fat without guessing and calorie counting? Well, there is. And it's with a device called Lumen. It's the world's first handheld portable device that actually measures your metabolism. Lumen uses a CO2 sensor and flow meter to determine the CO2 concentration in a single breath. This indicates the type of fuel you're burning, i.e. carbohydrates or fats. I use this every morning, just before a fasted cardio, to check whether I'm in fat burning or carb burning mode. This way, you can plan your previous day's meal for the following day. Depending what your goals are, Lumen can keep a record of your breath intake and structure a plan for you so you can meet your goals easier. This device is revolutionary. I don't need to guess and see if it's working after. I just need to breathe in the Lumen and it tells me. Stop guessing and start progressing and check out Lumen now on www.lumen.me and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Wouldn't it be cool if you could break down fat and provide yourself energy without it having to be a fat-burning stimulant? Well, Capex by Bioptimizers does exactly that. It breaks down fats into fatty acids, L-carnitine transports the fatty acids into the mitochondria, and InnerSlim burns the fatty acids in the mitochondria. Assisting with growing a bigger mitochondria, you have CoQ10-7-Keto-DHEA, not forgetting Astrozyme. Taking Capex in the morning will provide a clean energy throughout the day. If you take it during a mealtime, then you will get official bowel movements, but more specifically, when you're on a ketogenic diet and intermittent fast. Although bioptimizers do not make any fat burning claims, you can find that your ability to burn fat will be increased between 10 to 15%, especially considering it has fat digesting enzymes too. Just visit bioptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Yo, what's crack-a-lacking? What's going on, peeps? Hope all is blessed. We are on day 19 of January. 19! Can you believe it? February is just around the corner. And just to let you know, on February the 5th, it's my birthday. I'm going to be 43 years old. So feel free to send lots of birthday wishes when that day arrives. DMs, emails will be all good. <laughs> but yeah, exciting times, exciting times. Um, today is a very, very interesting podcast. Um, a, a personal interesting thing of mine, really, a, a very interesting subject. As, as a lot of you know, I have a, a great deal of love for brain health or... Um, just sort of like an, an optimal th thinking mentality. Everything to do with the mind and the brain, I am fascinated. 
you know, I've tried all sorts of um, nootropic stacks, um, sauna before training, um, training, then sauna, just to see how I feel. Everything to do with feeling. How is my brain feeling? Um, you know, I've heard different things on microdosing, all different things to help to make the brain work in a real optimal state. And the person I have on today specializes very much in everything to do with flow state and brain performance. And it is with a lady called Angela Sharina. So I came across Angela through social media when I had recently done a Instagram live. Uh, she shot me a message talking about the great discussion I had with the person on live saying it was amazing and she likes my content. I then decided to have a look on her page to see, okay, who is this person who DM'd me and had a look at her content and thought to myself, this is some really interesting stuff. What I found was she discussed a lot of things talking about how food affects our brain. And she talks quite heavily on flow state and this is through like single foods like she doesn't bunch all the foods together she will talk about individual benefits and how the the compounds in each food works with us synergistically really great stuff we decided to get on a call so i could learn a little bit about her and because i had an interest in having her on the podcast as well but i didn't i didn't want to let her know that just yet <laughs> i wanted to it's almost like an interview okay i want to know more about you so we was having a little chat and one of the cool things i learned about angela is that if i suggest a book which i think is really good she would literally go along and buy it read it and get back to me with a breakdown in bullet points, uh, linked studies, and similar notes from other authors and her own personal findings within a few days. I'm like, wow. <laughs> like she's a proper nerd that way. And I just thought, you know what? I think you're cool. So Angela herself, she is a nutritionist, a brain performance coach, forward slash, researcher you could say um she is on a personal quest to change the way the world eats reviving food literacy to use nutritive properties of foods to express the best of humanity for the past 11 years angela has been working with people around the world helping them use nutrition as the tool to look, feel, and achieve their absolute best. Recently, Angela fully transitioned to brain performance coaching for moonshot entrepreneurs and professional athletes who have world-changing goals and no time to waste in inefficient brain states like brain fog, anxiety, ADHD, overwhelm, lack of clarity, focus, and motivation. In her work, Angela combines neuroscience research, nutrition, integrative and behavioral science to help people get into optimal brain states on demand. Anyhow, without further ado, let's bring on Angela Sharina.
So, Angela, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing. You know, it's morning. I'm a morning person, so the best time. Awesome, awesome. And where are you based? Um, right now, I'm in Mexico, Playa del Carmen, and I'm a digital nomad. Um, so, I'm based in the world, right? Uh, lately, been spending time a lot of it in, in London, and now in Mexico, and yeah. Awesome. How long have you been in Mexico? So you wait. So, okay. First of all, I hear an accent and then you mentioned that you are, you were in London, but now you're in Mexico. So I'm just getting a little bit confused. Like, yeah. <laughs> first of all, where are you from? I'm from Russia originally. Okay. And you lived in UK? Yes. I lived there for 11 months and planning to go back there for not sure how long. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm, I'm what they call digital nomad. So I'm location independent and I can live wherever the hell I want to live at any moment. And um, yeah, so I changed quite a few locations over the past decade. Amazing. And yeah, so right now you're currently in Mexico. What brings you there? Um. <laughs> I don't know, destiny. Um, when I was in London, I like, I need a break. I need to go somewhere. I need a change of things. And there was a program that sounded really cool. It's called Remote Year. And uh, it's a company. They organize um, living in different countries for people who don't have to be in some location. So if you work online, if you have your business, if you can work remotely, um, they take you um, to different countries and organize like your living situation and everything um, and cultural experiences, all of that. But so I joined the company and that's why I came to Mexico as a part of their program. Uh, while being in the program, I realized that it's gonna completely ruin my lifestyle. Like it just, wasn't compatible with what I do with how I live. So I quit it. And I'm like, okay, I'm already in Mexico. What the hell do I do? <laughs> and um, like, well, I haven't been to the beach for a while. So let me fly from Mexico City where I was to Playa del Carmen because I knew one person here who is an online coach. And like, how is it over there? It's like, fine, we're loving it here. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> so that's how I, ended up here. I literally got the tickets for the next day. And um, yeah, and I came here. That's amazing. For, what, was that through like one recommendation? <laughs> I knew Wow. The guy, he, uh, you know, he's a good guy. I know that right. my kind of person. And when you get a recommendation from, those people who you know like they're very similar to you like okay they find it really good so i'm gonna go there and check it out that's a trusted source that's for sure but um again thank you for your time um so we kind of we kind of got um acquainted or exchanged words through i think it was like um a mutual uh friend or someone a mutual person that we know um Sergey young Sergey, yes, Sergey. I think it was probably from one of his lives. You, you, you mentioned about the material you really enjoyed, and I was like, "Who is this lady?" <laughs> and that was when I went onto your page, and I thought, "Wow, it's really incredible the stuff that you share." Um, you talk a lot about uh, 
brain and nutrition and just so much to do with food and how it is synergistic with the body and like you, you've got this real connection with food um not just a case of oh it tastes really nice but just you like it's almost like a, a very tailored approach where you'd say that f like all foods are adaptogenic i remember speaking yeah. to you one time and um you'd mentioned about i think maybe a post or something that i'd spoken about uh with regards to adaptogenic herbs and then you suggested that your thought process on it is all foods are adaptogenic and i was like wow you know i was like that's quite interesting because to a degree um i would think that but i would never i guess verbalize it so let's have first of all an introduction to who you are and how you got into food and so what is it you do exactly and how did you get into it yeah what i do now is um a little bit different so i recently transitioned to brain performance flow state coaching for entrepreneurs who want to achieve a lot and they don't have time to waste on ineffective brain states um it has to do with nutrition and lifestyle adjustments um before that i used to do a lot of weight loss and fitness and health coaching mostly on the nutrition side helping people to use nutrition to use food as a tool to change the way they feel the way they look the way their body works that's I've been doing for the past like decade of my life, um, even more. How I got into that, it's a different story. As a teenager, I had an autoimmune condition and uh, nobody knew what the hell was wrong with my body. Like it was actually working fine, but I had this um, white spots on my skin that would appear randomly. And they didn't cause any problems. The skin was totally fine, but they would just without color. And so doctors didn't know what to do. And I had to figure out myself what was going on there. And I started reading a lot. And I started learning that food does impact the way our body works a lot. And when we change what we eat, we change how our body works. That's how it all started when I was like, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And I reversed my condition. And after that, you know, once you understand the power of food, when you, once you experience it so intimately, it's hard to not see it everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Did you lose faith in the doctors then? Or did you just have more faith in yourself? What was your thought process on that? I realized that people with degrees and expert status do not have all the answers. Mm. So I didn't lose faith in anything. You know, I believe medicine is powerful, but I realized nobody has all the answers. And also I realized just because somebody doesn't know something, it doesn't mean that the answer doesn't exist. It just mm. means that they don't know it, right? Um, and facing myself, yeah, I realized I have the power to change the way I feel, the way I look, the way my body works by changing what I eat, what I do with my lifestyle, um, how I feel, what I think. And again, once you make this connection, it's hard to unmake it. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. You can't go back once you have all this power unleashed, right? Yeah. It's like um, in Matrix, you know, you take the red pill and that's it. 
you can't not know. Yeah, yeah. welcome to Wonderland. I can't remember what um, Morpheus says um, to Neil at the at the time, but yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> I know you'd mentioned one time that cooking makes us human. Could you explain what that means? Yes. Um, so I read this book um, many years ago, uh, and it's called Catching Fire, How Cooking Made Us Human. And it's written by anthropologist. I don't remember the name of him. But um, in the book, um, he makes this point very powerfully that um, it seems that the uh, evolution of human brain happened when we learned how to use fire to learn how to cook. And that we are different in that sense, we human beings compared to other animals, because other animals are kind of stuck in with the foods, with the food sources that their digestive system can't work with, right? And they can't do much about it. If you're a cow, you're going to be eating grass or, you know, like maybe a couple of other sources that your body can digest and can get nutrition from. You're not going to be eating anything else. When we learned how to cook, we uh, surpassed that. We're like, okay, our digestive system cannot, for example, digest dried beans, but if we cook them, it's perfectly fine, right? So we have that system. And now all the food that was around us, it was available for us to eat, even though before we couldn't get all the nutrition, right? Even take things like those harder, greener vegetables, right? Our digestive system is not really that good at digesting them in raw state. But when we cook them, we allow our digestive system to work through all of this uh, fibers and different things that prevent digestion of different nutrients. And now we can extract many more nutrients. And so once we got these nutrients available to our body, but also to our brain, our brain expanded. It's like, oh my God, I have all this nutrition available. Now we can grow in size, right? And that's what these scientists argue happened to our brain, why it evolved beyond other you know, animals, other mammals. Yeah. It's quite fascinating though, isn't it? I don't know how long it took for us to go through um, maybe uh, mineral deprivation in not understanding about cooking food. And then all of a sudden this, this um, it was like, like a miracle. You know, we can cook all different types of foods and now our body starts to flourish. We can live longer. We can now unlock these hidden vitamins and minerals and thrive. And it was like, why didn't someone give us the key a bit longer? Like, why did, I don't know how many thousands of years it took us um, premature death to figure out, but it's yeah. really fascinating, don't you think? It is fascinating. And uh, what I argue that this evolution, it's still happening, but because it takes so long, we're not noticing that. But we do know that, for example, poor nutrition makes the brain shrink. So probably the other thing happens the other way too. When you really care about your nutrition, when you supply abundance of nutrients beyond you know, what we need to survive, the brain probably is taking notice and also you know, developing in all these different ways. Maybe we're gonna develop some um, extra abilities that we don't know we could develop, right? Mm. And that's why I'm so passionate about you know, nutrition for the brain. You, we might become superhuman at some point, <laughs> yeah yeah it's like we're starting to understand that 
<clears throat> certain foods will make us think better, feel better. Um, and it's not all the same for everyone. Well, there's, there's certain types of foods which is good for most people. Um, but what's quite interesting is just genetics itself. Like some people, it will trigger certain things in their genetics to make them more superhuman in their own particular way. That in itself is quite fascinating as well. Um, one thing I want to speak about is um, chocolate. I know you're a big fan of chocolate. <laughs> I've seen it, seen it in your stories. I know you've mentioned it before. Um, I'm like, okay, I like chocolate, but this lady, she really loves her chocolate. So what's, where do your fascination with chocolate come from and why do you have it so frequently? Where it comes from, I have no idea. Maybe it was like, you know, some shamans have their plant that um, kind of connects them to the universe or whatever. I don't know. But since I was a kid, I love chocolate. Obviously, when you are a kid, chocolate is this, you know, sugary candies and all of that stuff. But I could eat, and I kid you not, because it happened, uh, eat a kilo and a half of chocolate, and I'll be fine, you know? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> chocolate, since I was a kid, was my favorite dessert, my favorite thing. You know, I would put cacao everywhere. I just loved it. But because in the way I was consuming it with a lot of sugar, you know, in, in desserts or candy, it wasn't good for me, obviously. So um, I thought the chocolate wasn't good for you because of that reason. And I didn't do much research back then. But then I started to get into nutrition and this concept of superfoods and cacao plant being is one of those superfoods that uh, was in a positive uh, way referred by many cultures. And I'm like, okay, what's, about, what's all that about, right? And is it really bad or the sugar and other ingredients making it bad, right? right? And so I started reading more of that. And I realized that what was bad about chocolate, the only thing that is bad is excess sugar and all the other like possible, you know, ingredients. It's just not supposed to be there. Cacao plant itself, it's full of antioxidants. It's one of the richer sources of antioxidants and different compounds. You know, we only studied like 1,500 or something different compounds that is in chocolate plant itself, you know, the itself, the fruit and, and the beans. Uh, and cacao is one of the superfoods, you know, that neuroscientists um, bring, scientists talk a lot about because it has this, all these qualities that make it super food for the brain. It increases blood circulation. There are compounds that are similar to marijuana that make, um, you know, compounds that are called bliss molecules in chocolate. So they make oh, you wow. feel happier. They make you feel like higher. Well, um, it's not the sugar itself that is making us feel high and happy. It's the actual cacao, the, yes. the compound, yeah. as you call it. Okay. So they, yeah, our scientists actually argue that what makes chocolate addictive is not the sugar, but that other bliss molecule that is anandamide, that right. is present in flow state, for example, or alternate uh, states of consciousness. 
the brain produces it, but also a couple of foods like chocolate and black, black truffles have it higher levels of it naturally. What is amazing about cacao, it also has other phytochemicals that make that bliss molecule stick around for longer. It helps, it slows down the breakdown of that molecule. Um, and then again, there are other compounds that also stimulate the production of dopamine, of serotonin. Uh, also, they notice that, for example, phytochemicals in cacao bean, they tend to accumulate in the same regions that are in charge of learning and memory, right? And there are quite a lot of studies about how people who eat a lot of um, chocolate, like obviously darker chocolate, they have better scores at when they do like memory tasks or um, other cognitive tasks. Also, there is actually, it's been published in New England Journal of Medicine or something, some study that countries who consume more chocolate per person have more Nobel laureates, people, you know, who are like the smartest, who do all the breakthrough discoveries in science. Wow. So it's <laughs> published in quite um, a serious journal. And I'm, I don't know, that's why I love chocolate. You know, also local tribes here in Mexico and ancient local tribes like Maya, Aztecs, who were one of the most developed civilizations, they considered cacao to be food of the God and they gave it to shamans to strengthen the connection to the world, you know, beyond. Wow, okay, all right, okay, this is, this is deep stuff. Let me just take a deep breath. <laughs> hold on that thought for a second because i want to come back to that but i also want to talk about just cacao itself i mean there's such a range of cacaos which is available um i, I would say probably the vast majority if i go to the grocery store to look for chocolate most of it is going to be garbage <laughs> with a lot of sugar in it um <clears throat> and there's different forms like you've got like powdered forms you've got uh, cacao nibs um and yeah you've got different percentages of chocolate and even when i've looked for decent chocolate it, it always seems to come present with sugar a lot of the time so how does a person know the difference between ones which have the all of the great active compounds and and the ones that do not have um, all of the sugar that's in there and yeah, just to know what is good and what's not as good, basically. Well, that's a great question. And the good stuff is in the natural stuff. So the cacao bean, cacao solids themselves. So the higher cacao solids, the, the higher the percentage of cacao in chocolate, the better it is for you. And that's when you look at dark chocolate bar, it says, you know, for example, 55% or 65 or 75%. And what it means is the percentage by weight of cacao solids. Cacao solids is everything that comes from cacao plant. So it's um, cacao powder, but it's also uh, cacao butter. Uh, that's, you know, in the same bean, they just usually separate them to make chocolate. Um, I, I, I used to have my own, you know, chocolate company. That's why I know so much about the process also of making it. Oh, um, yeah, but <laughs> that shows the love. If you decide to make a company out of it, like, okay, <laughs> all right. Oh, please continue. 
Yes, so the higher the percentage of cacao, uh, the, the better it is, right? On milk chocolate, the cacao percentage is so little that they don't even put it out there. So to give you uh, an idea, um, an average milk bar chocolate, you'd be lucky if they're like 10% of cacao because, because yeah. cacao is also expensive. It's one of the disappearing commodities, like the crops constantly getting some diseases, being destroyed. It's quite a, call it, um, it's a very difficult plant to, to sustain like a, a big um, volumes of, of cacao trees, right? right. And so uh, cheaper chocolate, they don't put a lot of it in. They might put other stuff in that tastes like chocolate, but it's not actual chocolate. So what I'm trying to say is milk chocolate really has very little to do with actual cacao plant. Um, and yeah. the studies that been done that show all of the benefits um, that cacao can give you, they've been done on chocolate bars with 85% and higher. Um, specifically, if we are talking about brain health and gut health and mood boosting properties, you'll need to go 85 and higher. Right. Okay. <laughs> so people can't just go to the shop. Yeah, I'm going to eat some chocolate. Has to be at least 85 it's very hard to stomach, not gonna lie. <clears throat> I recently was gifted some chocolate and I think I just crack, cracked open the 93% the one and I was like, <clears throat> I can't eat much of these. How do people do it? Like, it's, it's not easy. What would you advise for people who are going above the 70, or would you say 80? What's the best ones? Is it, is it 80? 85 and higher? 85 and higher. Those are hardcore people like yourself, you know, the, 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 the chocolate connoisseurs. Um, so for people to progress to these um, high end chocolate bars, uh, what would you suggest um, uh, they can do to make it more palatable? Mm -hmm. Start with whatever chocolate you can, you know, tolerate um, and work your way up. Our taste buds adjust. So every 10 days, uh, they are our taste buds, most of them completely die off and there is a new generation of them coming up, right? So you're gonna develop tolerance to that. Also, I believe that you develop tolerance in your gut because bitter compounds like cacao, um, they tend to take time getting used to um, because it's kind of like mild stress. For the body. A lot of those bitter compounds like cacao, they have certain, certain compounds that are more, a little bit more stressful than pleasurable. It's kind of like giving your, yeah, your digestive system, your gut, your taste, but a little bit of stress with a lot of benefits after, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe, although it's not like scientifically proven, nobody really took the time to, to do that. I believe that you need to build up that tolerance, just like one person could develop tolerance to let's say alcohol right it's poison in like may maybe mild dosages it can have this hermetic effect when you know it's a little bit stressful but there might be benefits for certain um organs the same happens to a lot of those like bitter compounds that have again like all these antioxidants and compounds they stress the cell but then they give you the benefits the the cell gets stronger. So our gut microbiome, our taste buds are kind of like that. You build up the tolerance, right? I now eat 100% chocolate and it even tastes sweet to me. Oh my God. 
<laughs> That's how, you know, but it took time. I just find it hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying my best on 93 and it is a damn struggle. I think I threw it in my smoothie and with the other flavors, it made it palatable, but to eat it by itself, I'm thinking, I need to take deep breaths. I need to do a prayer, <laughs> but that's great. That's great. And the, the goal is the more, the more I get towards the hundred percent, the least I will even tolerate the idea of having anything lower than 85%, you know, anything like that. Mm, this tastes fake. Oh, I don't want that. That is the goal. Um, yeah. yeah, what I'd like to do is to go more over the, um, you was talking about the, um, uh, the Aztecs and the Mayans and how they, um, yeah, about the chocolate there. Let's get into that. Well, I don't really have much to say about that. I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. So what's, what's the fascination with um, chocolate there? What's the history on the chocolate there? Well, they probably noticed that Chocolate had this effect when your brain would start working better. And I honestly did not do that much reading. I don't right. think there is a lot of reading. It's one of the ancient civilizations and I don't think chocolate was considered to be uh, like the center of their development. So there is not so much literature. We just know that traditionally that's what they would do. They called it food of the gods and they would give it to spiritual people to get connection, you know, to higher realms and to give guidance to the rest of the tribe of like what to do, you know. Yeah. Crops yeah. don't come <laughs> on time, so what do we do? What's your thoughts on fortified foods? Mm -hmm. Now you talk about nutrition a lot and you talk about, I know I've seen um, just a range like a mixed platter of fruit that you eat on a regular basis and um, um, like loads of different seeds and, 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 and nuts and like lots of micronutrients, minerals and stuff, which a lot of natural stuff, which is great. Um, in certain other countries um, like UK, there's a lot of fortified foods. I'd like to know your thoughts on that difference mm -hmm. between fortified and that and, and getting natural. Can a person who eats lots of fortified food obtain great immunity, good level of fitness um, as someone who eats natural? Mm. So it's um, a complex question to unpack. It has a lot of parts, right? Mm. So natural foods, um, nutrients from foods they are always absorbed and metabolized better by the body because like the body knows what to do with that you know we've uh, evolved eating natural foods right not supplements so um and it's been shown that the body uh, metabolizes and uses more effectively nutrients that come in food form compared to supplement form um, do supplement work? They do work. And how we know that they do work when people have severe deficiencies um, caused by deficiency in certain vitamin mineral, when people have, you know, for example, bleeding gums when you don't get vitamin C. When you give that vitamin C in a supplement form, people get better and those symptoms disappear. So we know those work. But um, it seems they work less effectively um, because when 
they also analyze, like, for example, if you consume supplement, there is some of that supplement going to end up in your urine and you're going to be peeing it out. And, and also some supplements can cause um, problems on their own when you consume them in not appropriate form or amounts, right? Um, people start to develop different symptoms. So the bottom line here is supplements and uh, nutrients in food work better. They are also gentler to the body. The body knows how to get enough, what it needs, and then to remove the rest. Um, can, like, you ask, can a person be... I, oh. I can, like, flourish and live a, a healthy life on fortified foods. So here's the thing. Um, we don't know everything there is to know about food. Like we just don't. Nutrition is a very young science that we only discovered right into the beginning of 20th century. That when the first vitamins were discovered, right? For now, we know that there are 30 plus essential nutrients, but we are still discovering. So some nutrients were discovered, you know, like uh, in the past few years. So we're still discovering what the body actually needs, like full spectrum, right? And so when, for example, some company, meal replacement company, would say, "We put everything in this." meal so you don't have to worry about anything and you're going to get everything to be healthy and fit the problem is that statement we don't know everything so how can you put everything in the bottle if you don't know everything in the first place right so when the person starts taking supplement even though on paper it's everything they're still not getting everything that is in whole foods like you cannot put apple in a peel I think yeah, I think companies are very careful with wording that. I mean, they probably wouldn't say everything, but they would. There's a, there's always a lot of careful wording. Always make sure you eat a balanced diet, but take this as well. You know, um, yeah. I, you know, even with um, fortified foods, um, there's definitely. There's definitely careful wording. Otherwise, a company can get sued, right? You can't just say, "Oh." You, you know, live off um, throwing food in the microwave that is fortified. Um, um, is, there's... Yeah, but, uh, you know, there is a wording that you can kind of imply it, not directly saying it. Ah, and there we go. Mm, yeah. mm. <laughs> and, that, and that's, I think that's what's used. But so that's interesting. Like, it's very important to understand that there's much that we still need to learn with natural foods and how it is, it works synergistically with different types of humans um uh, uh, so we can't really give full answers on where fortified foods comes in this picture either really because no, it's not mm, sorry no, what i was just trying to say is that we don't know that what everything that the body the brain you know the mind needs to thrive and to be healthiest and fittest self right and so if somebody decides, well, I'm just not going to eat good diet, I'm going to eat supplements. Well, we don't know exactly how healthy body works yet. You know, like everything. We don't know. We are very like young and understanding how all that works. So if you decide to go with supplements, then you're basically saying that 
you're gonna you know limit yourself to certain nutrients that we know about and you're gonna disregard all the possible other like nutrients and compounds that might be necessary essential and might be influencing your health so you're gonna say like oh whatever you know i don't care about that i just care about the small part that we know about and i'm gonna supplement with those nutrients well i'm, I'm specifically talking about fortified foods not directly supplements possibly we could talk about that a little later but yeah. it's more to do with foods that have been fortified stripped of nutrients and then they've decided to add it back in there um from the laboratory yeah so they fortify uh, in most countries things like bread or um, some paste like baking mixes uh, uh, foods that a lot of people or breakfast cereals food that a lot of people would consume in the modern world right um hoping that that will prevent a lot of deficiencies and so those fortified foods they they work um for example if somebody doesn't eat i don't know let's say b1 vitamin and but it is added to all the cereals to all the bread um so now they do eat it mm -hmm. and it does work so in that sense, fortified foods, they help because people used to die of nutrient deficiencies, you know, developing all these diseases. So uh, from that perspective, it is good, but it is not that good because we don't really know how it interacts with the rest of our di diet and whether somebody overdoses in those fortified foods on certain nutrients or not and how it affects their health as a whole. Mm, like long-term effects you're talking about it, on eating fortified foods yeah maybe you're going to be overdosing on some nutrient that in excess will be causing problems mm, mm, we still don't know ah this world is so complex and interesting um what i find quite fascinating as well is people very adapt very strongly to certain types of diets um, without fully understanding the full spectrum of foods that we have available for us, they decide, do you know what? I am going to be carnivore or I'm going to be vegan. And they, they, uh, they ad adopt this uh, dogmatic approach and, it, and, it, and they feel really rel religious about it. If you try to tell them anything which is outside of that, that framework, they will argue with you. And um, it's quite interesting because even uh, I would say the more intelligent you are, the more you realize that you can't do that. And it makes me question, are these people feeble-minded? I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. But I, I do think to myself, how is it you become so, so dogmatic uh, on, on eating one type of food? Um, it's interesting. It works for some people, but we need to take a, a, a wide approach. That's my thought process. I could be wrong. I'd like to ask you your thought process on that. A person who, or people that adopt um, a food style um, that is trendy, and they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to work with that. What's your thoughts on that? Um, 
first of all, I tried almost every diet out there. I was vegetarian. I was vegan. I tried to live on juice. I was carnivore. I was keto. <laughs> you name it. I did it for a year or more. Uh, that's why I personally understand this kind of thinking, what people usually look for and what you can experience physically and mentally. So what I learned, we always search for clarity, for simplicity. When you go on a diet and a connection, so clarity, simplicity, connection. When you go on a diet, you kind of hit three of those. Clarity, you're now finally clear on what you eat, what you don't eat, and you finally can make choices easier and faster. Simplicity. Now there is much less choice. And even though we think we want more choice, it actually makes life more complex. And you have to actually think through a lot more choices than when you limit yourself. Like carnivore. Now you don't have to think about most of the foods. You just eat one kind of food. Yeah. <laughs> it makes life simple. Connection. You become part of the tribe. You might not have your own identity very strong, but now you're part of the tribe and you can say, this is me, this is my people, and this is what we believe in right without a lot of like um kind of like substitution for religion but in a different way for people who are not into really religious stuff or any other spiritual stuff so for those for that purpose you know that's why a lot of people go to diets and then they would explain it well because it's healthier because uh i don't know i help the planet or we kill less i don't know um animals and we make it more sustainable people start explaining but we know from science, people make decisions with emotions and they justify it with logic. And that's what those diet people do. They think they're logical, whereas all of it is about emotions. Um, and the diet and, you know, emotions that the diet provides. And I know it again, because I was there. I know how it works in, in my mind. Um, so that's what I think about, you know, diet tribes and why they um, come into existence. Mm. Why stick with them so religiously because it becomes part of your identity also. thanks for sharing that that's really really interesting um yeah it, <laughs> i don't know makes me want to give certain people a warm hug like i understand now <laughs> okay um and what is your approach when it comes to food like when you are making your food choices let's say you're going to be shopping for the week um how are you going to make that decision? Uh, over the years, I developed, I hope that I developed quite a scientific mind. So I always look at science first and then check it, you know, with the rest like of my body, my gut, how it all works. So we do know um, that we have 30 plus essential nutrients. And we know approximately of how much a human being of a certain age, gender, weight would need, right? So for quite a while, what I did is like, okay, so this is nutrition requirements for me as a female, 34 year old female. Um, so these are requirements for me, you know, certain height, certain weight. Okay, let me um, figure out what are the foods that will meet these requirements in the most natural for me away, like the foods I love, but also that's gonna meet those requirements. And so um, I would put into this, you know, uh, the very like detailed nutrition calculator, all the foods, all the meals that I tend to eat. I'm like, okay, I tend to be low on this and that. In what foods 
that I love, I can find that. And so I would tweak my meals. And so at this point, after all these experiments and, you know, learning about different nutrients and different foods, I eat certain foods. Yeah, I love them. But I also know that these foods deliver uh, all of the nutrition I need and more. And that's now when I shop, I just have a list of those foods that I know satisfy my nutrition requirements, that I know I love, that I know work for my body and for my gut. And I just stick to food groups, um, usually foods that I love. And I try to introduce variety by changing certain foods in certain groups. Like, I don't know, instead of Brussels sprouts, I'm going to get broccoli or, you know, some other food instead of like um, beef, I'm going to get lamb instead of chicken eggs. I'm going to get like duck eggs. That's how I introduce variety. Right. Mm. But that's my thought process. And that's what I actually try to do for most of my clients when we work on their nutrition. Like, okay, so these are the requirements for you. I'm going to take care of that. So what foods do you love? Let's figure out how we can cover your requirements with the foods that you love and make it a part of your team. That sounds really, really interesting. Very comprehensive. (laughs) How do you calculate your mineral intake? I mean, a, a lot of people will... Probably it's 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 easy to work out macros, but how do you calculate your your nutrition? You say you calculate your nutrition. Are you talking about macros? Are you talking about minerals and vitamins? Vitamins, minerals, and macronutrients, right? So uh, there is data uh, mm. on uh, how much approximately. Like you know, it's not precise science. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know approximate amounts of vitamins, minerals, of proteins, of fats, you know, of carbohydrates. If you're talking about balanced diet, obviously there are different approaches. But we do have data about like how much approximately we need. So what what I did is I just put in my data. There are those software, you know, programs for nutritionists, nutrition coaches. So I put in all my data and it gave me, you know, this breakdown of all of my micronutrients and macronutrients. And uh, I used that and I used other software and databases of foods to see where those nutrients are available. And I put those together. And again, I also advise myself, like, what do you actually love? And I'm going to stick with eating, right? And mm. uh, I put those also together and I created my um my own like meal plan way of eating that is natural to me, but also I know that it's based on science. That's really cool. And um, yeah, that, I think that's really important because a lot of people focus quite heavily on just macros and nothing else. <laughs> I want to lose weight. That's all you're hearing. I want to lose weight. You mean you want to lose fat? Um, yeah, you need to maybe look at everything rather than just macronutrients. Um, I wanted to, yeah, sorry, I was going to say something. Yes, I was saying, can you pause for a moment? I need to figure out my power source for the laptop. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay, cool. So power supply in your laptop now? Yes. (laughs) Power (laughs) supply is back online. Awesome. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, I just wanted to mention. When you travel, people think, oh, it's such a cool idea. You travel to beautiful destinations. One thing, like the environment, the logistics very often go out of the window. And so you got to be really flexible. <laughs> you know, like where the power supply is now, like it's all over the apartment in Mexico, but yeah. 
There we go. There we go. So, um, yeah, a lot of people think, um, I want to lose weight. And they don't really think so much about the bigger picture, you know, like everything, the whole spectrum of food and how it all works in a person's body. And it seems to, it seems to me like you've, you've got it all together. And I like that. That's really cool. I'm still trying to figure things out myself. I try and have a wide spectrum of, of different foods. I, I understand my habits when I eat certain things and how I respond when I eat those foods, like how I respond to life. And it fascinates me. One of the things I notice is, um, even for a genetics test, is like if I have something sweet, I become super excited and I need to eat more sweet stuff. So... If I'm on a, um, a, a cyclical ketogenic type of diet, I do throw some carbs in there, which is fine. Um, but it's a way of keeping body fat levels low and looking great. Um, and, you know, balancing, having a, um, a steady, steady energy between fat sources and uh, carbohydrates. So I would like to say I'm metabolically flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I'd like to dive into is um i understand that when i have certain when i have sweet stuff in my diet all of a sudden i just have this crazy appetite to want to have more sweet stuff even if it comes from a a natural source like fruit Mm -hmm. if i have sugar then that's like cocaine i just that's it i'm just falling off and i'm just like raiding you know, I'm just pushing people down aisles in the supermarket and I'm just like eating bars straight from the shelves and security is trying to pull me out the store and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, do you know what? It's best if I keep away from it. But even with fruit, if I have a bit of fruit, I find that I, my, my, my appetite grows quite a lot, uh, which is quite fascinating. When I've looked at a lot of your posts i see that you eat quite a lot of fruit and that is really fascinating because i'm looking at your physique and you have really tight abs so i'm sure lots of people would love to eat a lot of fruit and be lean as well um and be able to keep their appetite under control like so there's a lot of thoughts going through my head right now how do you do it and how could people <laughs> <laughs> how can people eat fruit and just maintain like obviously fruit is important but you need to know like what types and perhaps how much to eat um uh, uh, yeah just help a brother out and uh, <laughs> help other people out i'm sure um there are so many things that you mentioned you know so many things to unpack uh, just one question of how do you do it? I get it so often, but um, the reply that I give people, people lose enthusiasm. First of all, you know, I train every day. I've been training for 20 years. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. You know, uh, sorry, to- did you say 20 years? Yes, I'm 34 now. I started training when I was 13, 14, like in the gym. Before that, I did athletics. Like at school, I was really good at sprinting, jumping, all of that stuff. You know, physical training teachers, they loved me. Like I was the fittest kid there. So you want to take that into account. You know, uh, when you train every day, a lot of things are 
much more different than when you barely exercise and move, right? So mm. um, second thing, for ripped body physique, you know, if you want to stay lean, if you have quite a healthy metabolism, it doesn't really matter how many carbs you eat as long as you stay in your caloric target. Um, if people watch what I eat on Instagram and they calculate my calorie intake, it's always stays around 2000, maybe a little bit less on some days, a little bit more. I'm very calorie aware that I developed during all of these years of experimentation, right? Mm. So I eat my carbohydrates and I eat my fruit, but I do not eat three, five kilos of fruit, you know, on top of a lot of other food overshooting my calories. I know my numbers, you know, that's why I eat that much fruit. And I also know that that much fruit um, adds up to a certain number of carbohydrates, usually around 170 per day. And I'm really strategic about that. When I eat my fruit, it's only one plate. When the other carbohydrates I eat, it's just a couple of lentils or, you know, others, some, some sort of beans. So again, I know my numbers. That's why I'm able to do that. I'm not just randomly throw stuff in without any you know, understanding of how it all works. And I also know my activity levels. And I notice how my physique changes. Like I've been experimenting again for so many years. I know how my body works. And that's why I eat certain amount of fruit. And also a lot of people don't realize I don't eat bread. I don't eat any added sugar, zero. I've been doing that for years, right? So if people can do that, eat zero added sugars, zero, zero flour, more often than not, they can tolerate quite a lot of fruit. Mm, I'm guessing, obviously, with the, the, the sugar that comes from fruit, because of the, um, the dietary fiber, it's going to help with digestion. Um, being active is going to be helpful. Um, yeah. I eat fruit also only one point in my day, right after my training. Or, you know, I train in the morning and I can have my fruit like in the middle of the day. So once a day, when my digestion is active, when I'm in, in carb depleted state, mm. there is also, you know, science to it. I don't randomly eat fruit right before going to bed. Right. Um, that's what? where also your body, you know, utilizes glucose the best, like yeah. earlier in the day. Um, a couple of questions came to mind then, but I'll um, think with the last one and try and work my way back. So what is the last meal you have before bed? Like what sort of time before bed? How many hours or what sort of time before bed would be the last meal um, that you have? Four hours before bed, I've been, especially over the course of past three months, I've been religious about it three, four hours before bed, I have nothing. The reason being a little bit neuroscience, uh, our circadian rhythm, our 24 hour clock um, and all the processes connected to that, uh, they are very sensitive to a couple of things. Light, when we see different kinds of light and second food intake, right? That actually restarts our circadian rhythm. And um, one neuroscientist, you know, Andrew Huberman, you know him, he once said, um, changing your eating time by three, you know, two, three hours, it's like giving yourself a mini jet, jet lag every time you do it. So the next day, over the course of a couple of days, your whole metabolism is going to be a little bit off. 
like you're not going to be sleeping that well you're not going to be mentally as sharp and after i heard that i'm like eat exactly how i feel when i switch my eating time or when i eat closer to bed right and after that i'm like i'm going to be eating three four hours before bed no matter what yeah. <laughs> i'm if i can't do that i'm going to fast a little bit longer eat earlier but i want to be my best i want my mind to work you know the sharpest it can work and that's why i eat three four hours before bed um, that's amazing uh do you do the same with regards to drinking as well or do you drink um, tea and stuff close to bed like what's your thoughts on that yeah if you drink too close to bed a lot of liquids like let's say less than like I don't know, one hour, 90 minutes, depends on the amount of liquid, obviously. Uh, you usually would wake up and go to the bathroom. For me, it happens like, like this. I drink, you know, 30 minutes before bed, I'm gonna wake up. I don't drink like one hour, 90 minutes, uh, any liquids and I don't wake up. And I like to stay in bed throughout the whole night. So I don't drink any liquids close to my bedtime. For me, 90 minutes, it's very safe. Like time you know right. obviously there is variation but for me that's what i found worked um yeah yeah what's your thoughts on there's lots of people who have this round number of having two liters of water a day obviously it's going to vary activity uh, vary on activity levels and body size and all that sort of thing um but like, what's your thoughts on whether a person would need to drink less if they're eating more fruits and vegetables than those who decide to have more water? Definitely, that's a huge factor. You know, hydration is not from just plain water. Even coffee is hydrating. It is still liquid. It makes you a little bit... Um, it has a diuretic effect, meaning going you making you going to pee a little bit more, but you still get more liquid than you pee out, right? Um, but then also fruit, vegetables, uh, depending on the fruit and vegetable and how you cook them, they have a lot of you know water. Sometimes seventy, sometimes eighty, sometimes even ninety percent for like lettuces and things like that. So you do get liquid from those too. The more you eat, the less water you need. Mm. Um, the also soups you know all kinds of liquids it's not or if you drink i don't know maybe somebody really loves milk and they drink like a gallon of it it doesn't disappear <laughs> it's still um, you know a lot of liquid so yeah it does go to your hydration status all of this stuff. right right your hydration quota for the day <laughs> all right um i know you're very much into um I don't know, you seem to be buzzing a lot of the time. And I'm like, just smoking something. What are you taking? You know, um, <laughs> you know, energy levels looks really good. And I know that you've mentioned about flow state, about achieving flow state through food. So um, yeah, I'd be very intrigued to understand how you do that with what type of food how does it how does a person uh, figure out this formula what's yeah i think that's the ultimate goal i think everybody who doesn't want flow state in their life i think every human being that's what we're trying to live for you know so if you're able to just get it all the time please not, the way no not all the time you see right. flow state is very 
um, resource demanding state. You don't want to be in the flow all the time. It's going to be very, um, what do you call it, draining on your nervous system and your body. So you want to be in the flow, I don't know, maybe like 90 minutes, a couple of times per day. That's what you want to be. The rest you want your let your system to recover it's like with dopamine you know in your brain yeah it's a molecule of drive of motivation of getting after it but it also too much can screw up your brain you'll be you know going for all the uh, i don't know instant gratification things and then also it actually when you get more dopamine the receptors for dopamine get desensitized and sometimes they even die so uh, you have a lot of motivation and then you'll have zero mm. And, you know, you'll also hear a lot about like dopamine fast that you need to remove certain stimulation you know, for a period of time to let your nervous system to recover. Even, you know, for I work with professional athletes and they they know that it's not just the body that needs to recover. It's the nervous system that needs to recover. Right. And so when it comes to flow state, yeah, you want that when you need it. But then. Once you're done with that activity, you won't let your body, your nervous system, your brain to recover. Right, right. Okay, okay. Talk to so me. That, How do we uh, get this? Um, of course, you know, there are a lot of uh, physical like routines and behaviors that you gotta do in order to even get a chance to get into flow. Specifically, let's take sleep, right? If you're sleep deprived, forget about flow. No food gonna make it happen. <laughs> Um, so that's you know there is physical aspect of it like routines and behaviors um, maintaining certain level of um, physiological um, health that's that comes first uh, and then when you get into food for flow states but also different states you know focus attention like all these states they have certain neurochemical signature uh, what it means is in our brain, when we are in a flow state, for example, there are certain neurochemicals that are present and they've been measured by neuroscientists, by flow re researchers. So for example, flow state, it has specific signature of five neurotransmitters. We get dopamine, we get serotonin, we get an anandamide, the one in chocolate, we get endorphins, and we get norepinephrine or adrenaline in the brain. So those five. And those five, they do uh, rely on nutrition and they are influenced by nutrients that we consume. So let's, mm -hmm. take, let's start, you know, for example, with dopamine and that we already talked about. Dopamine is made from L-tyrosine. That's an amino acid that's present in uh, different foods, but more abundantly, it's present in animal foods. Uh, so we need to have it in order to make dopamine. So if somebody is on some vegan fruitarian diet, they're not going to be making a lot of them. Uh, I was on that diet and I can relate. I did not have any drive to do anything. <laughs> um, also, that's why, for example, when we fast for longer periods of time and the body gets low on L-tyrosine, that's why you're not that motivated to do a lot of stuff. 
um, you can't produce that neurotransmitter. But besides that, for example, to make again that dopamine, you also need vitamin B6 to convert that L-pyrazine into actual dopamine. And that's where the problems start to happen because people have all these crazy diets when they're deficient in a lot of micronutrients. And so you might have a lot of one thing, not enough of the other thing, and you get zero dopamine and zero chance to get into flow state, right? And that's just one example. But then, you know, we get serotonin that's even a little bit more complicated because, yeah, you need, you know, another amino acid, but to, it doesn't cross blood-brain barrier. And it seems that consuming carbohydrates at certain, you know, times um, in certain amounts help to make more of that. Um, and then we have, again, norepinephrine, we have endorphins, you know, natural high molecules, and endamide. So what I'm trying to say here, if I were to go into all the details right now, it would take another, you know, 20 minutes of our talk to just explain all the complexity uh, of that. And I just want to mention that every single, you know, of those molecules that need to be in the flow, they require quite a lot of other nutrients interacting with each other in a system. Mm. That's why also it's very hard for smart drugs to work all that well, because some person might have a lot of some stuff and the newer nootropic, you know, that smart drug will give what's been missing. For some people, they're missing something else. And no matter what kind of smart drug they take, it's not going to be working because they might be deficient in some micronutrients that are also needed to make that happen. Amazing. That is really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it's funny because I, I do feel as though that, well, touching on the last thing that you said about the, um, nootropics, um, I found that, you know, even big brands where everybody's just orangutanging over, ah, it's amazing. I'm like, <laughs> I tried it and it didn't work for me. And yeah. So um yeah fascinating fascinating so definitely a case of looking into nutrition and uh that's yeah really interesting and the dogmatic dietary approach so i understand that vegan can be quite detrimental in terms of the right minerals you might be able to get the protein profile if you know how to mix the different uh plants together uh which most people don't. They think, all right, I'm going to get my protein from this plant. <laughs> like, mate, what is the matter with you? Um, but what about those that are um, carnivore? Have you looked much into that? Like people who are like, um, you know. I was one of those people. <laughs> okay, okay. Try that as well. Right, okay. <laughs> and how did that work for you? Uh you know, the reason why I'm not vegan, I'm not carnivore, because it didn't work that well. Like, um, it worked for a little bit, mostly on my enthusiasm. I'm an enthusiastic person. Enthusiasm. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah, but then you start getting health problems, you know, like for me with carnivore, with keto diet, what was the problem is, uh, you know, the first problem that started to happen with my energy levels, they really were not energy levels and mental state. So when I don't eat my carbs, I do not seem to produce a lot of serotonin that is very important for positive mental state, for happiness, for well-being. And so I would not be as happy. My thoughts would be more negative than positive. And I'm very introspective. So I would notice that it's like, I don't usually think like that, but that 
way of eating makes me feel like that. Then my energy levels, you know, I would be high on energy in the morning, early afternoon, then it kind of would gradually dissipate and disappear. And there was no motivation for me to do anything. And I like to be on when I'm not asleep, you know, <laughs> I, I yeah. like to have a lot of energy. Like, And when a certain eating approach doesn't give me that, that's the first sign that it's not working. It's not going to be working. And I also want listeners to understand that Energy is the currency of life. When something makes you feel like you have less, like you don't have enough, there is, it's only a matter of time that other health problems will follow. Because when certain organ or tissue cell doesn't get enough energy, all the process is going to be compromised and it's going to end up in some health problems down the road, right? So with this diet, more often than not, I would exit before things <laughs> worse things start to happen right and then also while i was on this you know especially carnivore and keto i was i was already studying nutrition quite deeply and i started to look in all of this you know approaches and my own diet pattern i'm like okay but i i'm not getting this you know vitamin like especially carnivore uh you might not be getting a lot like even you know b vitamins and even some of the b vitamins because some of the b vitamins actually in more in plant-based foods um, or for example, you know, vitamin A, if you don't eat organ meats, not going to be getting a lot of it, right? Um, with keto, you know, for example, if somebody eats a lot of fat, they might be low even on things like iron because iron is not in, in fat tissue, it's actually in lean tissue, you know, and if somebody says you eat lower pro protein, more fat, you're going to be end up, you know, with, with some problems. Um, so what was the question? Um. <laughs> Uh, even I forgot. I was like, oh my God, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was it was mainly to do with like... Um, carnivore, you said yeah, carnivore. carnivore. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I remember but, still. Yeah, that was very comprehensive. That that was good. Sorry. It just, yeah, well, the main point was, is that you can get deficient with certain micronutrients um, on almost any diet but the problem with carnivore or vegan is that the more food groups and foods you eliminate from your diet the more micronutrients you eliminate too um because when you eliminate you know a whole like whole group let's say plants or animal foods there's a whole range of nutrients that you just took out of your diet, they were easier available in that food. And you took them out and you never put anything back, right? So you, most people don't think through, or I need these nutrients, I stopped eating that, where am I gonna get these nutrients now? Most people don't think like that. <laughs> you know, I just stop eating and gonna start eating, I don't know, spinach instead of uh, fish, right? Uh, but they're not comparable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's. I think the easiest way to compare is like when you are consuming a certain amount of food and you're you have got a certain level of activity and you're not doing that level of activity anymore, but you're still consuming the same amount of food. You, you have to adjust now yeah. that your circumstances has changed. Um, but yeah. Minerals as well, makes sense. I wanted to ask you, what's your thoughts on spiritual stuff? 
do you believe in spiritual energy? Do you believe that a person has, I don't know, spiritual strength? Do you believe in that? Mm. Um, I believe I, I believe in, I think, what you mean by spiritual strength and uh, spiritual side of human beings. I believe in there is something beyond what we currently can measure and explain with science. Um, I believe there is much more to human being than what we can see, right? Um, mental states, you know, connection to something beyond what we can experience with our senses. I believe in that, right? Mm. Um, what it is, I don't have answers. I just know, for example, let's take intuition. I'm a very intuitive person. Sometimes I can almost feel like this is the thing you got to do. And the mind does not understand why exactly. There is no logical explanation, but you feel it, you do it, and it works out really damn well. You know, or for example, you meet a person and you like, I connect so well with that person and I freaking have no idea why. Like, yeah, I mean, certain things, you know, I can understand logically, but a lot of things I don't. And like why exactly it happens, uh, you also don't understand, right? Um, can I add, well, not, well, another question to that. Um, since since I, I know that, you know, you've got like a, a, at least um, some sort of connection there with spirituality, how would you say food can affect us spiritually? Mm. There are many things, you know, I, I can think of when it comes to food and spirit, but I often think of a human brain and a human being and as this energy entity, right? Even from quantum physics, everything is energy and human being is not exception, right? We are all at the core of like energy, vibration, uh, beings or, you know, creation, whatever, whatever that might be. And food also vibrates, every piece of food, it vibrates at a certain energy. You can actually measure that, you know, with the devices that they use in physics. And when we consume certain foods, so those energy, they adapt to our energies. And then we're going to get this mix, you know, and those energy, they're going to be translated into thought patterns and emotions, right? So that's, you know, one way the food affects our energy. Um, then also, if food was changed in some way, you know, it, it creates like there's different pattern of energy, you know, you, you took something that was natural, that was kind of compatible with the universe, universal energy, and you change that and you completely reveal that energy into something artificial that was that our body like energetically is not used to. And then you put it inside your body and your body has to do that on an energy levels too. And that's where a lot of like clashes can happen, right? And you're like, something is wrong in the body. I'm not sure what. And that might be on energy levels, not so much even, you know, on like digestion or gut level. And then also like when it comes to our brain, uh, it does seem like it's a kind of like an antenna or some sort of like radio wave, um, I don't know, device. And I believe that when we have foods that are kind of working synergistically with that, that we can amplify that, you know, we can amplify our sensibility or like sensitivity to certain things. And when we start like 
put garbage inside of us, that signal kind of get jammed. You know, it's like now you have like all this like weird interferences and you can't perceive things and this thing doesn't work as well as it can. Like I'm talking about our brain. Um, mm. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert on everything related to food and spirituality, but that's what I learned from my experience, you know, how food changed, how I feel energetically and how certain foods can make me feel better. Certain foods can make me feel worse, not just physically, but also like spiritually. You, you know, why, why I love fruit? Fruit actually has the highest vibrational energy. And when I eat fruit, it makes me feel like, happy i'm like eat my banana and i'm like happy <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's all i need it doesn't matter how much b6 or magnesium it has like uh i need that also from my foods um so the, yeah that's my take on on foods and spirituality and also the you know the, it's like not coincidence that when people want to get really close to their spiritual self or their true self a lot of times they would, would fast because every time we consume something, it interferes with that energy that we carry inside. And if you really want to understand the core of yourself, then you know fasting works really well because nothing interferes with who you are. That's your energy and yours only, right? Um, so food works also in that way. That's why I don't know Jesus or other like spiritual leaders seem to go through long periods of fasting trying to you know figure out what this whole life journey is all about um, mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah i do love the idea of fasting not just the idea i mean i, I practice intermittently and um it's it yeah it's um it's a way of allowing my digestion to rest but it's it's like, I know it is possible. I know that there's people, it, yeah, indigenously, like, you know, ancestrally, this is a practice which um, is, it's, it's not foreign to us. So I think it's only showing your body some respect too fast, to be honest. Um, and yeah, can bring you a bit more closer to, um, to your spirit that's my thought process on that like trying to like okay just keep sustain from food just a little bit and focus a bit more on your inner spiritual strength just live off that and i think you probably have my thought process is like you get a deeper connection with your spirit with the with, with the the during the fasting process so that might even be a good time to do a lot of praying mm -hmm. yeah you just need to think about something else i don't think i thought about it in that way yet um also when we fast all of our blood flow can be diverted to our brain instead of our stomach right and usually when there is more blood flow in our brain it is easier for us to feel connected to that you know spirit or divine or universal energies so it might be uh, you know partially one of like part of the explanation why we feel more connected uh, to you know our spirits our energies when we are fasting because the energy doesn't go to our stomach but instead goes higher mm, yeah that's yeah 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 um, I guess, hmm, I'm just 
just trying to think of like different stuff now because i was thinking maybe if you have like a little bit of a little bit of dark chocolate and then yeah. for that. <laughs> that's what i also do before my meditations i actually am experimenting with adding uh chocolate before different routines that i do like for example if i have to um speak or create a piece of content i take it 30 minutes before um for allow it to digest and you know take an effect and i see how I mentally feel, and what I notice from chocolate, you know, meditation goes much better, definitely. And also my content, it's so much easier to create. I just like this, you know, sparkly, I don't know, creative person when I eat more of it. And so. Mm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's your thoughts on um, uh, probiotics? Do you, do you take any, or do you have any kind of fermented type of foods? Like what's, what's your thoughts throughout all of the, yeah. It's, it's such a big thing right now. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, we have trillions of bacteria in our gut. You know, I think um, it's at this point, it's impossible to deny that bacteria that we carry in our gut, they matter a lot, a lot. Like they change the way we think, the way we feel physically and mentally and emotionally. Probiotics. Probiotics are basically those similar bacteria that we have in our gut, but in form of supplement or fermented food. Um, and the more we consume beneficial probiotics, <clears throat> the more we seem to do health-wise. And also they affect things like dopamine or serotonin, right? Those uh, neurotransmitters that makes us driven or happier. Um, <clears throat> mm. When it comes to fermented foods, I'm a huge fan. Um, I consume, I need to drink <clears throat> water. Uh, <clears throat> probiotic foods, yeah. Um, I consume half a liter of yogurt every day. Um, right, that's more yeah. water than some people drink. <laughs> well, well, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, just my throat for some reason. <clears throat> okay. do you think half a liter <laughs> of yogurt a day that's um that's... so the reason being it um i love yogurt that's you know one of the reasons um but the second reason is the more beneficial bacteria you consume the more there is the chance that they're gonna outnumber potentially uh, harmful bacteria and the better your gut gonna be. The thing about probiotic rich foods and probiotics in general, most of them are transient. So they do not stay in our gut, right? They like kind of come into our gut, do their job for a while, and then they go out. That's what the science seems to show. The only, well, a couple, there are a couple, but more powerful way to change our gut microbiome consistently, so it does change for a prolonged period of time, is changing your diet. Because what you feed your gut bacteria, uh, that's the kind of bacteria that's gonna stick in your gut, right? If you starve certain bacteria, they're not gonna be there because they're not gonna have food available. So the point here is, yeah, you can be taking a lot of probiotics, probiotic-rich foods, but if your diet still feeds uh, bacteria that is harmful to you, 
that's the guys who's going to stick there. Mm, you're going to come in, come out, that's it. So that's why it's important to go diet first and eat those prebiotic foods, right? That feed beneficial gut bacteria. That's going to actually affect gut microbiome, gut health much better and in a more powerful way than eating like probiotic rich foods or probiotics i'm not saying again that they're useless they have their usage but they're more transient than what you get with changing your diet that's that's really really good um i also i thought what did i read somewhere that oh what was it popped in my head and then it just flowed back out again yeah Need to work on my nutrition, I think. <laughs> I told you, you know, eggs and alpha GPC that is in the brain translated into acetylcholine that is important for memory formation. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Alpha GPC. Uh, where am I going to get that from? It. Huh? I'm taking it every You're day. taking it. Okay. Alpha GPC people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll need to look into that. Get a high dosage. What, where can I get some of those, uh, um, the acetylcholine from? What sort of foods? Um, the only yes. richest foods available. And since we also, for quite a while, been hearing this cholesterol, it's going to kill you. Don't eat eggs, eat egg whites. That's why people are still freaking scared. And when I talk about eggs, but what about cholesterol? Like it's even been taken out taken off the website of heart, you know, organiz- like whatever that organization was that put it out there, they even took it down. So forget about cholesterol and eggs. Liver makes most of the cholesterol. So I'm just, you know, um, eggs, yeah. <laughs> so w- would you suggest any particular egg which has a higher amount of acetylcholine than another type? Mm. What's the best way um, to cook it and the best form would you so have for acetylcholine, um, the, it's the, again, neurotransmitter that we need, that the brain needs to make to put our into a state of focused attention required to make memories and to learn things. It's also important for rapid eye movement sleep where we kind of bring together emotional stuff so we have better mental health. You know, that's why it's also very important. Um, <clears throat> So the richer sources are eggs, specifically egg yolks, right? And so if you have an opportunity to get an egg that has bigger yolk, that's what I would get. Um, I, I found that duck eggs usually have like much bigger yolk. Um, I'm not sure actually if they have it more acetylcholine, but potentially might have. Um, since you need to eat three eggs, three, four eggs every day to get the acetylcholine you need, um, I recommend to supplement because, well, I don't personally want to eat three, four eggs every day and be stuck with eggs for life, you know, so that's why supplement coming handy. Like I love eggs, but sometimes not all the time. And also for you, Roger, might be a useful piece of information. That acetylcholine is being used for muscle contraction. Um, and you can only have so much, right, from, from food. So if you get your acetylcholine and you use a lot of it for your workouts and your muscle mass, then you might not have enough for your brain and your Oh, memory. wow. So you end up stupid. Wow. Um, that was a polite way of saying. Not stupid, but your memory can Bro. be compromised. <laughs> no, no. Only playing. 
but that's really good to know. <laughs> that's really good to know. Okay, yeah. Thank you. So yeah, that's why, especially if somebody would what I was trying to say actually, especially if you're into fitness, into you know muscle mass and building muscle mass, then you just want to provide your brain a little bit extra support for memory formation. Because what I was I also want listeners to understand is that the brain always makes decision and prioritizes things. So if you are into physical training, into fitness and muscles, the brain will prioritize strengths and will give the acetylcholine to your muscles because it's immediate survival versus your long-term memory that you might not even need because you're going to be dead in 30 years. <laughs> but that's the logic, you know, long-term is always pushed aside to immediate survival, right? It, it's like the difference between REM and deep sleep. Like the body will prioritize the deep sleep if you're yeah. in deprivation, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had some crap sleep. I think it was yesterday. And um, yeah, it was like, do you know what? Let's put it all to deep sleep. Brain, let's not worry about that for now. And that was just written off. And I was trying to figure out my day. Like, I was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, as long as you can move, that's what we need yeah. to focus on. For today, yeah, as long as you can move and get your food, that's all we care. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you'd mentioned about the, like the full spectrum of different types of foods and um, some people will put on, um, on, on a, um, I don't know, almost like an annihilation list uh, or a, a list of kryptonite foods um, in in um, in the bracket of oh shall I say legumes in that in that sort of bracket of like kryptonite you shouldn't eat it um, some people see it as yeah just eliminate legumes from your diet what's your thoughts on that I think um, people should use more science more often. So somebody can say, you know, or it's not paleo food or, you know, it can cause inflammation. So for some people, it might cause inflammation because maybe they have some, you know, genetic predisposition. Maybe their gut bacteria doesn't really like it that much for one reason or the other. But for other people, it might be not the case at all. And how do you use science? Usually if we are intolerant to some food or it really causes a lot of problems, inflammation levels go up. And the good thing, now we can measure it, you know, this C-reactive protein at least, like measure it. If you think that beans might not be good for you, measure it before, eliminate them, measure after, introduce them, measure after. That's how you know if anything actually changes or it's just in your head and, you know, placebo or nocebo effect, like doesn't really make a difference, right? And then also, of course, monitor your own energy levels. Like if you eat properly prepared beans and lentils and you feel totally fine, like I do, I actually feel really amazing eating chickpeas and lentils. Like I can eat, you know, a lot of them. So if you feel fine, most often than not, you are fine. You know, and just because somebody says it's not paleo doesn't mean shit. Like certain, you know, tribes, people, populations, they evolved eating certain foods. And just because somebody says now it's not paleo, it doesn't change the fact. Like I'm talking about dairy products. You know, some tribes they evolved for thousands of years eating dairy products. 
and they have completely different genes and microbiome suitable for digesting that. And so if the person had, has this genetic and um, this gut microbiome phenotype, then they're going to be fine with dairy. And it doesn't matter if it's paleo or not. Mm, mm, I like that. Makes total sense. And as you was talking about those foods there, it did make me think, I do like chickpeas. I really do. But it does make me blow. Mm. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, cooking, you see, like chickpeas, you need to soak them for 10, 12 hours. You need to I guess soak them for 24. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe not your food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I soak the hell out of them and I slow cook it. Um, yeah. Rest in peace. But anyway, yeah. Um, but that's cool. That's good to know. Don't just eliminate, you You know, test it out to see how you're feeling first before you decide to yeah, jump on a bandwagon of like, yeah, not not having stuff. What, what sort of foods would you help is uh, good to help people to sleep better? Would you say there's certain types of food for that? I know that there's like, um, there's like day nootropics and there's like uh, nighttime nootropics to help to, you know, induce melatonin. Are there certain types of foods which you reckon that are, I don't know, good precursors for deep sleep or something? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think um, a balanced diet is a good precursor for good sleep uh, in a sense that even to make sleep happen, things like serotonin that are important, you know, or for example, for REM sleep, you need acetylcholine from those eggs, right? Uh, making sure that you consume those foods um, is a good start. Like protein rich foods, you know, again, making serotonin requires protein. Uh, it also requires B6. Like if you don't get those, so your body might not be able to produce enough of those neurotransmitters to keep you asleep. Um, and obviously for each person, it's a little bit different. For me personally, what I also noticed, um, for some people to make serotonin and to be able to absorb it in the brain, you need carbohydrates to kind of push it through the blood brain barrier like there is you know in nutritional psychiatry there is such a thing that you need to have like certain boosters to make certain things cross blood blood brain barrier um and for serotonin for some people it seems that carbohydrates are essential to push it to to, to through to our brain i'm that kind of person so if i don't eat my carbohydrates during the day and i go you know low carb on keto my sleep the duration of it, the quality gets really compromised so for me carbohydrates are essential for good quality sleep and i also notice that i need them later in the day like about around 4 or 5 p.m if i eat too early carbohydrates also my sleep not going to be that great um so that just for me but i also notice for a lot of my clients the same issue they would try to go low carb and keto and then their sleep is just trash. And I'm like, well, eat sweet potato with dinner, see how it happens. And for a lot of people, it's like that. They're like, yeah, I can sleep all right. Yeah. Um, then there are things that are either have melatonin-like substances or help to produce more melatonin, things like cherries, starch cherries or kiwis also. There are quite a few foods, but I haven't looked into all of them. Then there is magnesium. Seems like being deficient in magnesium interferes with sleep. And a lot of people who are deficient in magnesium, they also tend not to have good quality sleep. So supplementing with that uh, might be a good idea, especially magnesium 
prionate. That seems to be the latest like hack for sleep. Right. Um, it um, crosses blood-brain barrier uh, much easier. Um, and people again report improvements in sleep. What foods would you say is good, like in magnesium? Um, magnesium is a very tricky thing. Uh, it is actually quite, quite a lot of it is in rice. Um, some other greens. I see how that's tricky, <laughs> especially if you go eat rice to get it. Wow. Yeah, there there is quite some in things like pumpkin seeds. Uh, we have cashews. We have Brazil nuts. But then again, you need to eat quite a lot of them, and then calorie aspect becomes an issue. Um, also, there is some in things like spinach and Swiss chard. Um, but you also need to eat quite a lot of it to be, you know, quite a fan. That's why I recommend for most people to supplement with magnesium, right? I supplement with it. I've been supplementing with it. There are like no negative side effects, except for some people, you know, too much causes diarrhea. But, you know, you'll know it <laughs> that it does. Um, so when it comes to magnesium, I truly recommend to supplement with that or get mineral water. When I was back in Siberia, we had one brand of mineral water that delivered 1200 milligrams of magnesium in one liter naturally. Oh, so, yeah. Straight um, from the stream or something. Or was that um, fortified water? No, it was natural mineral water and it was actually from Slovakia and it was just available at the stores where I would shop and yeah it had a ton of magnesium ton of calcium and that's where I didn't supplement with it um interesting interesting so sleep magnesium yeah I would say that and of course things like drinking too much caffeine or alcohol, you know, right before going to bed or with your dinner, it can actually help you to kind of fall asleep, but your sleep is going to be compromised, it's going to be disrupted, uh, it's going to be more lighter, and also REM sleep will suffer a lot, right, so not drinking alcohol with dinner, managing your caffeine, probably 10 hours before bedtime, stopping all the caffeine is a good idea, not eating close to bedtime, three, four hours before bed, those will work much better than any of the foods I actually mentioned. You know, if somebody eats right before bed, a lot of food, drinks a lot of caffeine, drinks alcohol, that's going to screw up sleep. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I've always wondered to myself, um, I, I don't tend to have coffee later than normally once I have it in the morning, I don't normally have it later, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I know lots of people who have, three or four cups, I've even read online, it's it's okay to have maybe three or, I think three is probably okay. But I just tend to have one strong one in the morning and that tends to tie me through, okay, you know, having, having normal food. Um, I know that if I have it later, if I, especially if it is past one, for me, that's too late. Past yeah. one o'clock, that's too late. I might as well have it at nine o'clock in the evening because mm -hmm. I just won't be able to sleep. I'm so the same, yeah. Yeah? For mm. me, 
usually 10 a.m. It's actually a cutoff time. Um, right. Okay. That's where I feel the best. Yeah. Like, so, um, for example, now it's um, almost 8 a.m. I'm going to drink my coffee for the next, you know, maybe a couple of hours, going to have a couple of cups and that's it. And if I want to have taste of coffee, I'm going to go for decaf somewhere early afternoon, but that's already going to be decaf. Right. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, what's your thoughts on on where to get the decaf? I mean, I've heard some different stories on that with decaf chemicals being used to strip the caffeine and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I know a reputable brand that does it ethically. Like, do you go get yours from a cap or do you know how it's done? Yeah, with my decaf, I don't have it open, so I don't usually, I just usually go to any cafe and get my decaf there, you know, I'm not like that, I, I would say obsessive about things, you know, like uh, even yesterday I was talking to a couple and they were all like, oh, you know, we are vegans and sometimes fruitarian and then we work on this detoxes. We use and then you stop talking to them, holy joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god guys where do you have time for all of this like if i had to think about every single piece like like that i would not accomplish anything you know at some point it just like it's good enough you know you're doing much but like you know most of my foods i don't eat any junk food i don't drink i you know sleep i exercise do I really need to think where my decaf once in a while come from? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Like, you know, I have, I have my days where um, I'll have, let's say sin food. Most people call it cheat meal. I call it sin food um, where I'll have certain foods, which is not normally part of my menu, which is just to just, just for pleasure purposes, really, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know fornication it's mm -hmm. like you know it's not for recreate okay let's not get too deep into that but you know i'm just i just eat it and i know that i'm not eating it for nutrition i understand that there's probably going to have you know things in there that shouldn't be in there and i just think about all right mitigation strategy once i have this I've, you know i get what i can out of it and continue on with my life you do have some people that are um biohackers that are just everything is calculated from the moment they wake up you know they wake up and they're taking the tape from their mouth because i don't need to mouth tape let me check my temperature and i'm not all my wearables okay no the data is okay and they're removing the um they've got this tent over their bed to stop any sort of emf now, this is no dig at anyone who's a biohacker, much respect and love to you guys. Um, it's just, um, I wonder what it's like to be out in the open and um, breathing normal air that might be slightly contaminated. <laughs> Earth is not clean, you know, mm. and it's never gonna get to the pristine state, never gonna happen. It, it is what it is, you know, we live in the times where we live in. And at the end of the day, you wanna ask yourself like, what's your life all about? Um, do you wanna really spend every waking hour of your day like thinking about all this, you know, technology and how to stay clean and where this coming from and this, or, or you actually wanna do something and maybe make this world better? you know you have we all have limited amount of 
focus, energy, and time. Do you really want to spend all of your time and energy thinking about all of this stuff? Like, at some point, I had to ask myself this question, where, when is it enough, Angela? What is good enough, you know, and what do you actually want to do in this life? And when I honestly answered this question, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be an expert on detoxes and be the cleanest version of myself ever, like, <laughs> possible. No, I actually want to do something, you know, with my life. And, and, and that requires being flexible. And that requires having a little bit of mess in your life. And that requires, you know, not being that possessive and obsessive about all of the things that can possibly go wrong. Um, so that's my take on it, you know. Sometimes yeah. things are just good enough and it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was pretty cool. So one thing I'm interested in, I know you'd mentioned on one of your posts about the benefit of vitamin A and how it has a synergistic effect on other stuff. Would you be able to go into that? Like what's... Most people these days know, okay, I should have vitamin D. People understand vitamin C. Vitamin A, like where does that fit in the whole equation? Why should anyone care? I mean, obviously we should, but like. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a good question in, a, in many senses, but specifically, I'd like to focus a little bit on this synergistic effect. So all of the vitamins and minerals, they're kind of like a team. You know, we need vitamin A you know, for certain things that I'll explain in a moment. But then to activate it, we also need zinc, right? And there are some other nutrients that we need to extract that zinc from our foods, right? And so we miss, if we miss one, we miss the other. And then we, we might be eating all the vitamin A we need, but there is no zinc to activate it. That is literally needed to activate the, that vitamin A, that kind of like very tight team, right? You don't get zinc, you don't get your vitamin A. Vitamin A, um, all vitamins and minerals, they play a central role in some processes in our body, right? But vitamin A specifically, I find it fascinating because a lot of people talk these days about, you know, obviously sleep and how important it is to have, um, to view light at certain times of the day to uh, balance your circadian rhythm. So you go to sleep on time, so you wake up refreshed, you sleep well. So uh, circadian rhythm uh, in our body, like all these processes, they're very important. And it's important to view light at a certain time of the day, uh, natural light, and then not seeing artificial light. Um, it's important for that circadian rhythm. And, viewing that light is important for circadian rhythm. And what vitamin A does, it's uh, locating, um, I think it's in the retina, but in our eyes. And when um, light of certain spectrum, certain light waves hit our eyes, uh, they hit molecules of vitamin A that then triggers that biochemical and also probably electrical reaction that travels to our brain that brain center that is in charge of analyzing those light signals. And that brain center tells the rest of the body, okay, 
this is the kind of light we're getting and that means that this is let's say morning or let's say this is afternoon or night and it's time to go to bed soon right without vitamin a that doesn't happen you can be looking at the sun and nothing will happen literally and vitamin a most abundantly and most bioavailable it is in organ meat specifically liver so liver is the organ where we accumulate vitamin a all of the mammals you know humans and other animals um organ meats not that popular these days obviously uh we get um some of that vitamin d from a from things like um egg yolks that are also not that popular because of cholesterol <laughs> um animal foods in general are getting less popular these days um we can get pro-vitamin A, meaning a substance in plants that can be made into vitamin A that we can actually use. We can get that from plants, but it, but it has to be converted by the body. And for that to happen, microbiome has to be quite healthy. Um, some substances can interfere with that conversion. Um, some substances in medications, sometimes um, in other foods, like especially uh, if a plant, if a person eats a lot of anti-nutrients in plants, like you know beans or lentils, you know they're plant-based and they have that going on. And yeah, so we can convert that vitamin A from things like sweet potatoes, pumpkins, spinach. Also has quite a lot but the conversion rate it is different for many people and sometimes it can be really not effective and so the person might not be getting either a sufficient amount of vitamin a or not enough at all right because maybe they have poor gut health and then no vitamin a no light signal that normalizes our circadian rhythm and then it doesn't matter how well your sleep routine is organized you're not going to be sleeping that well right and your like sleep pattern is going to be all over the place but then the tricky also part you know uh, i don't think we ever talked about that is that vitamin a needs zinc to be activated and where do we find zinc we find it most abundantly in lean tissue of animal foods. Sorry, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can get some from things like pumpkin seeds, but then it's bound to again those phytates and other chemical chemicals in plants that the plant uses to preserve those minerals. But what happens when we eat them? It also like binds those minerals and doesn't let them go. Instead, instead you just poop it out, right? And so a lot of zinc just you know you eat it on paper, but it doesn't. It's not used in your body. Um, and that's just, you know, kind of like to give listeners a glimpse of how complex that system is, you know, nutrition and how all these nutrients affect each other and affect our body. Uh, and then, you know, I remember just one thing, you were talking about fat loss, right? And, you know, how people are trying to lose weight and, and, and stuff like that. A lot of people don't also realize that in order for the chemical reaction of burning fat happen in our body, we also need certain vitamins. Like B2 is specifically, it's crucial for the chemical reaction of burning fat for energy to happen. And so B2, where can we find it? In organ meats like liver or... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, 
that's just, you know, it's also found, you know, in some animal products that you need to eat quite a lot of them. Um, it's, it can be supplemented with things like fortified nutritional yeast, but not all of the vegans do that, you know. Um, and then you might be trying to lose all that fat and you're like, why is it not working? I'm doing all this stuff, but I seem to not be as effective, you know, at, at weight loss, at fat loss specifically, right? And part of the reason why I look so lean is because I have all the micronutrients to burn all that fat. <laughs> yeah. When my body needs to burn it, it, you know, it has everything. Amazing. No, that's, that's really fascinating stuff. The whole synergistic and and organ meat that that kind of seems like the 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 power food like that seems like the superfood right there you know yeah. and everything just goes straight to the organs um what what's your idea of biohacks it's a term which is used quite heavily now um i guess people have different thought processes on it what's what's your idea on biohacking and what sort of biohacks would you say you do? Mm -hmm. I remember not so long ago, I got kind of like mm, passionate <laughs> discussion about biohacking on social media and how one of the um, like big nutritional influencers, he was saying that he hates this term because it's very unscientific. To which I replied that you know, it's just the term that people use to explain this phenomenon of modifying um, intentionally our environment to change our biology. So there is nothing wrong with the term. It's, you know, just, just the word. But yeah, biohacking is that, changing your environment to change your biology or the way you feel, the way you look. And with that, anything can really be a biohack that you use with that purpose. Um, I view sunlight every morning uh, to you know, restart my circadian rhythm to have good sleep. It is a biohack. You don't do that and your sleep gonna compromise. Also, if um, I also very mindful about bright light at night, you know, it's very dark in my place at night. And I use it specifically to help my body to transition to, to sleep. And that is also biohack, managing your light environment, right? Or taking cold shower. I know that that increases your dopamine for several hours instantaneously for um, up to, I think, up to 300%. That is a biohack. Right. Um, so yeah, but it works better than coffee. Um, <laughs> so would you suggest it's not a good idea before bed then? Like a cold shower before bed? Mm -hmm. Probably not such a great idea. Mm. Um, it's actually recommended to take hot shower or hot bath because then there's going to be a drop in temperature between hot to cold because your body is going to try to cool you down. And that actually a more natural change in the temperature to induce sleep. Okay. Then from hot to cold at night. Um, so that is also a biohack, you know, using temperature to help yourself sleep better. Or, for example, um, I sleep here in Mexico with air conditioner. Why? Because if I don't, 
it gets hot and I wake up because for the body also temperature is a sign, you know, when it gets warmer to get up because the day is about to start, right? So I set my aircon for a specific temperature, usually 68 degrees Fahrenheit or um, about 90 degrees Celsius or so. Sorry, uh, 19 degrees well, Celsius. 19, yeah, degrees Celsius. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's also a biohack right um when i during the day feel sleepy for example not sleepy but you know i might like cognitive capacity starts to decline a little bit i do hyperventilation or wim hof breathing type of thing and it is also backed by neuroscience that yeah that does increase our alertness of feeling awake and it, it does increase our focus by increasing certain neurotransmitters or if i'm about to give a talk and I'm a little bit more excited and jittery than I'd like to be for the talk. What I would do if I, I would do the opposite. So I would do deep breathing, breathing in and breathing out really, really, really slowly, right? That's also good for digestion actually. So that's also a form of biohacking. Um, and I can go on and on and on of the things I do. I, almost everything I do is on purpose with intention. Very important. Um, mm. Yeah. On, when it comes to technology, I'm not so much into that just because of the state of it. It's more right now, it's more like being fancy or I have this or ring. It can tell me my heart rate. I can feel my heart rate. You don't need oh, to tell me what it is. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. And, uh, and yeah, but then also, you know, taking certain foods is also a biohack. Like I know if I eat yogurt with cacao and certain nuts and seeds, before doing an important event or presentation, my brain is going to be on fire. And that is also a biohack. But if I eat a huge meal, I'm going to be like, you know, sleepy. I know that. So I'm not going to be doing that. And when you're aware of that and you use it with intention, it is also a form of biohacking. Amazing. 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 Yeah, the same thing with like supplements, all of that stuff. I know when I take stuff, what I take for what purpose, and that is biohacking because it changes how I feel. Mm. Your your biological and your your biochemistry, um, you know exactly what's going on and how yeah. much of it you need to have in order to get the the desired result. Like that alpha GPC, I'm taking it in the morning for focus and then also taking it uh, later in the afternoon when again my like capacity to to think or remember or learn starts to decline so i'm taking it to boost it up a little bit i'm noting that down alpha gpc yeah andrew huberman loves it <laughs> oh is it <laughs> he <talks> about that <laughs> he's talking about it yeah and you know your stuff as well so all right oh, GPC. Any particular brands? No, just make sure there is nothing else but that and also 300 milligrams a couple of times per day. 300 milligrams. Okay, a couple of times. Lovely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Look, Angela, it's been whew, over two hours. Wow. It's been a while since <laughs> I had a podcast this long. I think the last one I had was like 45 minutes and we was pushing it. <laughs> this like, this is just easy. Thank, Thank you. you yeah, you, you made it happen. You know, you asked such great questions and that um, made me just want to talk and talk and talk about this topic. <laughs> 
But what's great is that you know exactly, it's your passion. It's your passion. It's not just you know what to say, it's your passion for it that makes it more interesting and so free flowing. So much appreciated. Um, it's been phenomenal. I've learned so much. Definitely going to take on board much of this for myself. Forget listeners. <laughs> but um, where, where can people find you? Because they need to they need to know about your social media channels and like, I don't know, any anything else where people can uh, pick up some of your info, some of your great advice. Um, you're on Instagram. Um, yeah. What is your page called on Instagram? 1,000 number, uh, year young. So 1,000 year young. 1,000 year young. Okay. Why did you pick that name? Just out of curiosity. My hidden agenda is to live a uh, very, very long. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> wow. I think maybe the oldest I've heard a person say is maybe 200 possibly just over 200 a thousand is uh that's a goal okay all yeah. right cool um and um any other platform that you're uh, actually um, my podcast food school smarter stronger leaner i do podcasts monday to friday um usually and i talk all about the latest uh, nutritional insights and hacks and or sometimes i just talk about you know solving a very specific problem for someone um i work with but yeah um Amazing. did you say that's monday to friday yes wow you are busy and what's it called food school smarter stronger leaner Smarter, stronger, leaner. Okay, I'm going to note that down. Mm -hmm. I think I'm now on 1,000 something episodes. So oh, <laughs> wow, I believe that considering how long this podcast went, I feel, I feel like it was just warming up. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Well done. Well done. And your. And also, maybe we'll be able to link my um, article on breakfast. Um, Focus breakfast. So it's um, about foods that people can have for breakfast um, to get, you know, their brain focused really well. It's going to come out on entrepreneur.com this Sunday. Uh, so I think that could be also something really interesting. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You give me the link once it's ready and I'll definitely put it in the show notes so people can find it. Angela, wow, it's been superb. Definitely. Thank you, definitely for again, again. For sure. <laughs> Maybe at that time we'll focus on brain nutrition. That's, you know, my passion for, I think, the next, I don't know, maybe decade, maybe a couple. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people need that, to be honest with you. Brain nutrition, the amount of weird people I'm seeing on the street these days, they're definitely lacking. <laughs> but Angela, thank you once again. It has been phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's thank been you, great. Roger. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you having me. No problem. God bless you. You take care. Thank you for listening to the Roger Snipe Show podcast. It is my goal to find incredible guests who have extraordinary stories or advice. Education is key. The more we learn, the more we can also teach. It's also about remaining curious and hungry knowledge to progress. All sponsored ads and affiliations are from only reputable brands or companies which I have personally vetted and trust. 
please take advantage of these codes and subscriptions to increase savings on all products. If you get a moment, I would greatly appreciate a review as this helps to increase visibility and allows me to share with more amazing people just like you. Be phenomenal and stay blessed.